0: Hello and welcome, my name is Lily Richardson, I'm the ORX News Manager and in case you haven't heard of ORX News, we're a subscription service from ORX which covers publicly reported operational risk loss events in the financial sector from across the globe. Now I'd like to introduce Fern, the ORX News Assistant
1: Manager for Editorial. Thank you Lily, hello and welcome to the ORX News Podcast. In this month's episode we'll take a brief look at the top five largest losses from january 2023 all losses are reported in us dollars in recognition of the international women's day on march the 8th we'll focus on the s for social in esg by looking at materialized losses stemming from gender discrimination and sexual harassment in the workplace and lastly from the recently published ORX reference control library, we'll look into which controls may have failed and ultimately led to regulatory fines and settlements. For this podcast, I'm joined by senior research and news analyst Natasha and news researcher Joseph. Over to you, Joseph, for January stop five.
2: Thanks, Fern. In fifth place, cryptocurrency lender Nexo Capital agreed to pay $45 million to US regulators for failing to register the offer and sale of its crypto asset lending product to US investors. January's fourth largest loss was to H2O Asset Management, which was fined $79.4 million by French regulator AMF for failures relating to its unauthorized investment in illiquid securities and suspending investor withdrawals from funds. In the third largest loss, crypto exchange Coinbase settled for $100 million with the New York DFS services over significant failures in its AML compliance program. Commerzbank suffered January's second largest publicly reported loss of around $216.2 million over the collapse of the German fintech Wirecard. And January's largest loss is attributed to the CIBC as the New York State Supreme Court ordered it to pay $848 million to cover damages from a contract dispute with private equity firm Cerberus Capital Management.
1: Thank you, Joseph. And now to today's main topic, the S in ESG. ESG is often attributed to climate issues, when in fact it's much broader than that. ESG stands for Environmental, Social and Governance, and its criteria refer to a set of standards for a company's behaviour. The EBA defines social ESG risks as a negative financial impact linked to factors such as inequality, health or labour relations. In a 2021 global ESG survey by BNP Paribas, 51% of the 356 firms surveyed found the S to be the most difficult to analyse and integrate, concluding that there is an acute lack of standardisation around social metrics. The Stanford
0: Innovation Centre identifies public health and its social determinants, racial equity, income equality and financial inclusion, and workplace development as potential social impact issues relevant to businesses, as recently reported by Law360. However, we will focus on materialised operational risk losses that originated from workplace gender discrimination, sexual harassment and failed remediation, all reported in the media in the second half of 2022. For this topic, we'll refer to the recently published ORX Reference Control Library and use the lens of potential control failures which may have permitted these events to occur and which ultimately directly impacted firms financially. The following stories are categorized under People, Breach of Employment, Legislation or Regulatory Requirements of the ORX Event Type Reference Taxonomy. Related failed controls could be the level ones of Establishment and Adherence of Standards and Policies and Monitoring and Oversight of Conducts and Behaviors, both of which fall within the control theme of Conduct and Behaviour Management. So let's dive into the first example. In November 2022, Bloomberg and the Financial Times reported that Goldman Sachs had paid over $12 million to a former female executive to settle her internal complaint, which described institution-wide issues of sexism in events from 2018 and 19. The complaint detailed male executives vulgarly criticising female colleagues' appearance, such as their weight and necklines. Some even told female employees that they could look better by suggesting fitness regimes. In a gender issues meeting, some male executives reportedly described female colleagues as flight crew, and even senior ranking women were allegedly asked by male employees to fetch coffee and do other menial tasks. The complaint also described pay disparity, with smaller awards packages for female employees and male colleagues being more readily promoted.
1: In a final example reported by Bloomberg, the employee claimed that she overheard the CEO David Solomon bragging to a group of male colleagues about his sex life, and this incident was allegedly later escalated into an internal complaint. The employee in question said to have audio recordings of some of the comments to support her case. However. In a story about the case by the Financial Times, Goldman's general counsel said, and I quote, Bloomberg's reporting contains factual errors, and we dispute this story. But they didn't clarify which errors they were referring to. The bank reportedly settled with the former employee in 2020 to keep the conduct complaint secret and save the bank's reputation particularly at a time when Solomon was publicly speaking about the bank's efforts to improve diversity. In a similar manner to greenwashing, this could be interpreted as gender washing, where a company promotes a public image which supports and upholds gender equality in contrast to its actual internal situation.
0: Judging by reports of the $12 million settlement, level 2 controls covering the establishment of behavioural standards and policies may have failed here. Perhaps in this case, standards were not established at board level, or perhaps they were insufficiently promoted and reinforced firm wide. Incidentally, both the New York Post and Reuters have reported that a class action lawsuit was filed against Goldman Sachs with, at the time of recording, some 1,800 plaintiffs who worked at Goldman after 2002. The trial is set for June this year, and collated into the suit are first-hand accounts of sexual harassment, assault and mistreatment by male managers, as well as the memoir from former MD Jamie Fiore Higgins. Originally filed in 2005, the lawsuit is now led by four women who all previously held high-ranking positions at Goldman. The allegations of a sexist work culture span from the early 2000s, and if true, they could point to a potentially systemic issue with the bank's culture and employee complaints handling. However, we must remember that the bank refuted this last year, saying we strongly disagree with Ms Higgins' characterisation of Goldman Sachs' culture.
1: Sexual harassment in the workplace is unfortunately a global issue, with 32% of women reporting being sexually harassed in their careers according to the Randstad Gender Equality in the Workplace report from 2022. Another example of a Level 1 monitoring and oversight of conducts and behaviours control failure happened in Brazil in September 2022. CNN Brazil reported that the Public Labour Prosecutor's Office solicited Caixa Económica Federal, one of the largest banks in Brazil, to pay $57 million in compensation to the victims of sexual harassment by the bank's former president, Pedro Guimarães, as well as for its failure to investigate and remediate this misconduct. Allegedly, between April 2019 and July 2022, Guimarães abused his position of power to sexually assault and harass female employees often during work trips, but not exclusively. The allegations included inappropriate touching, answering his hotel room door in his underwear, and promising career promotions if the employees accepted his advances. The victims described feeling humiliated, intimidated and fearful to the point of barricading their hotel room doors. For some, this resulted in long-term stress-related mental health issues, such as panic attacks. According to Globo, during this time, Caixa received 205 complaints of sexual harassment via the appropriate channels, including some against its vice president, Celso Leonardo Barbosa. However, most of the complaints were reportedly archived without being investigated. Over time, the number of allegations increased indicating that Keisha had failed to implement adequate measures to combat this behaviour and challenge the alleged atmosphere of inertia and impunity at the bank. Considering the seriousness of the accusations, the regulator required Kaisha to take urgent action, such as investigating claims, offering psychological support to victims, and if the claim was proven true offer legal representation against the perpetrator. Kaisha's internal inquiry final report was 500 pages long and included the testimony of 50 employees, including victims and witnesses. As of October 2022, the final report had not been made publicly available and Kaisha had not reported whether he had paid the $57 million in compensation to the victims. Guimarães himself was told to pay 30 million reais in compensation for the collective moral damages caused by the sexual harassment accusations made against him. And members of Caixa's executive board were asked to pay 3 million reais each for failing to monitor Guimarães' conduct and investigate the harassment reports.
0: In this story,
1: not only are
0: there potentially failed controls within the level one of establishment and adherence of standards and policies, but also potential failures under the level one monitoring and oversight of conducts and behaviours, where level twos include conduct violations, investigation and tracking, negative behaviour reporting and second level review of investigations, which together comprehensively cover controls failures related to investigating conduct complaints. In instances like this, conduct and people risk elements overlap, as indicated by the control theme of conduct and behaviour management. The social aspects of ESG, while equally as important as environmental and climate issues, are challenging to evaluate, as which social criteria a company should be responsible for is difficult to define and even more so to measure. Although it's clear that there's still work to be done to achieve and maintain gender equality, Progress made by firms and lawmakers globally to help break the glass ceiling must not be overlooked.
1: More firms than ever are publicly pledging to increase the diversity of their workforce. This is more than welcome by lawmakers such as the EU Parliament, which in November 2022 mandated that women should make up at least 40% of corporate boards at EU companies by mid-2026. It's worth noting that an emerging theme from the results of Bloomberg's 2023 Gender Equality Index was an increase in integrating diversity policies into evaluations of executive teams. 64% of members have implemented diversity and inclusion goals into managerial performance reviews. 86% also offered unconscious bias training and 75% tracked managers' completion. That's some really positive news, Fern. Thank you for sharing that. And with the
0: emergence of regulatory fines, soaring social backlash, and consequent reputational damage, social issues are increasingly coming to the forefront of firms' risk management activities. This concludes our discussion of operational risk losses resulting from gender discrimination and sexual harassment in the workplace. We hope to have provided some clarity on just some of the range of issues included in the topic of social in ESG, and that by using the lens of potential control failures to have supported firms' practical and proactive risk management. For more information on the ORX reference control library, go to orx.org.
1: Thanks, Natasha. That's great. And lastly, we understand that the social side of ESG is complex and it's part of our wider social responsibility agenda, which includes many other themes, such as financial inclusion, the cost of living crisis, working conditions, and of course, climate, to name a few. Regarding climate, our latest work from the ORX Scenarios team includes a handbook on how to develop a greenwashing scenario. This will be available from the 8th of March. The news team will be keeping an eye on relevant ESG content for future podcasts. For in-depth details about these stories, including categories and full taxonomy, go to rx.org. We'll add the relevant links to the show notes. And thanks to Isabel Solwyn for their contribution to this podcast. Now over to you, Lily. I hope you enjoyed listening to this month's podcast. If you'd like to know more about the top five losses, then please visit
0: the Rx website where you can find the top five losses for each month, as well as a range of up-risk reports and resources. You can also read the full digest for each of the stories discussed in this episode on the Rx website. Just search rx.org. Join us next time to hear next month's top five losses. Thank you.